karongo ake e ngā iwi e takoto i te marae nei. Taku pakanga e pakanga nei au i roto i ngā taumaa. E pakanga ana au mo te rangi mārihi, mo te mau ngārongo ki ronga ki te uenua, ki ronga ki te tangata. Ka hoatu e au toku kaa me tōku reo, hei reo waka aere mou ki tēnei waka tupuranga. Hei tangata waka arara koe mo ngā iwi erua. E kore tō reo e taia te pēi, e ngā maunga nunui o tēnei waka tupuranga. E kore tō māngai e taia te kopani, e ngā maunga nunui, e ngā pukepuke o te motu nei, putanoa e ngā maunga nunui, e ngā pukepuke o te ao. Ka haepapa i tō reo, ka wakahaere tikanga koe mo te kino kia mate i te pai. E te iwi, he mihi atu ki a tatou katoa, no mai hoki mai anō ki te wāhanga Māori kei roto i te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Ko Maraia Rakuraku ahau, kia ora tātou katoa. I'm Maraia Rakuraku and welcome back to Te Ahikā. In this first programme for the month of Hui Tangaru, we're kicking off with a special dedicated to the peoples of Parihaka. I was at the Peace Festival that took place in January. We've got some stuff from that. And this week's programme is loaded with waiata, rap, poetry, fashion designers, artists and, of course, laughter galore. Nahi Noho Haya talks to us about her installation, Roi Mata Toroa, showing at the Govett Brewster Gallery in New Plymouth, featuring the kōrero of her tūpuna, Tohu Kākahi. We have a reading by Jackie Sturm of her poem, He Waiata Tēnei Mō Parehaka, as featured on the CD of recordings that accompanied the 2000 art exhibition and book, Parihaka, the Art of Passive Resistance. Jim Moriarty reads an extract from a Barry Metcalf story, as featured in a 1960 school journal titled Two Māori Prophets, detailing what eventually led to the sacking of Parihaka Pā by colonial forces and the exiling of its leaders, Te Whiti o Rongomai and Tohu Kākahi, with others, to caves in Otepoti. Some of the Parihaka locals tell me how it is for them when their papakaing is transformed into a huge tent village, throbbing to music 24-7 and swelling from a population of around 80 to 8,000. And we're three days out from Waitangi Daifane and three days into five days of tino. Intrigued? Well, listen on. Te Tuiono tells us what that means. The 5th of November, 1881, is referred to as Te Rā o Te Pāhua, or the Day of Shame by the peoples of Parihaka. It was the day 1,500 armed militia invaded the unarmed Parihaka village. Through illegal land confiscations and the ongoing resistance of Titokowaru, the peoples of Taranaki slowly found themselves alienated and impoverished. And Parihaka became a shelter for people seeking respite, at its strongest in the 1860s, Parihaka numbered around 2,000, and from the whānau who settled there, many of the descendants remain, the descendants of Tohukākahi and Te Whiti o Rungumai, the prophets identified by Rokura, an image that has been taken on by the people of Taranaki, symbolising peace. In this first instalment of a two-part reading by Jim Moriarty, we hear more of the background of Parihaka through the story of Te Whiti o Rungumai as written in 1960 by Barry McCarth. The year is 1831. 
a fateful year for the Māori people of Taranaki. The great pa, Pukerangi Ora, has fallen to Waikato. Among the few who have escaped are Honekakahi of Te Atiawa and Rangi Kauo, his wife, a woman of the Taranaki tribe. They are fleeing to join her people round the coast, where the mountain meets the sea at Waria. At Ngamutu Pa, under the shadow of Paretutu, a son. Tefiti is born to Rangi Kauo. Many of the fathers of the tribe are dead. Others are slaves, taken by Waikato and Ngati Fatu in their raids down the coast, while yet others have gone southwards to Horofenua and Wellington with the war parties of Te Rauparaha, Te Rangi Hayata and Te Rangi Take. The remnants of Te Fiti's tribe take refuge in the foothills of their mountain Taranaki, from which they take their name. One day in the summer, as the people, young and old, are working in their gardens, three strangers come walking. They carry no weapons, but the challenge rings out, as is customary, and they reply, We are your fathers, your sons. We bring good tidings. They were fathers who did not know their children, sons who hardly knew their fathers, slaves set free by the newly converted tribes of the Waikato and the North. And they brought good tidings, the Bible, carried before them like a weapon, leading them safely through the land of their enemies back to their homes. These ex-slaves began to preach Christianity to their own people. Tefiti became one of their best pupils. He knew his Bible so well that when the German missionary Martin Riemenschneider came to Wari in the year 1846, Instead of the heathens he expected to find, he met a young man on the track who stopped and regarded him silently. The missionary greeted him, saying, I come in peace, bringing God's word. And the boy replied calmly, We know that word and greet you in God's peace. The missionary was surprised, the more so when he tested the boy and found that he knew the Gospels of St. Matthew Mark, Luke, and John by heart. The young man, Tefiti, became Riemann Schneider's student and helper, not only in church, but in the mill and on the mission farm. The flower mill at Waria, which Tefiti operated, was probably the first in Taranaki. Here at Waria, the people learnt not only to read, but to plough. They grew some of the wheat and seed that helped supply the infant settlement of New Plymouth. But as New Plymouth grew, and the Māori owners of land at Waitara returned, the seeds of war were sown. In 1860, below Pa at Waitara, the first shots of war were fired, a war that was to spread over the island and to last ten long years. Tefiti went to the war bearing only a tokotoko or staff. But he saw no good would come of killing, and so returned to Waria and took up his weapons of peace, the plough and the book. Three times his home was burnt by raiding troops, and so he moved to Parihaka, eight miles inland between Waria and Opunaki. Knowing the war was as good as lost, 
he began to make the weapons that might finally win the remains of their lands and their lives for his people. On the 17th of every month, the anniversary of the first shots fired in the Waitara War, people began to come from far and wide to Parihaka to hear Te Whiti preach. Let none sell the land, he would preach. For he who sells the land sells his soul for silver in the hand. And the silver, did it not turn to the drink that maddened you? Then where was the land of your fathers? Even Tafio, the Waikato king, came to him. We carry the kit, Tefiti told him. You are the hand of action. I am the hand of belief. Between us, we will carry the people. Then... Two years after it had begun, the Waitara War ended in an uneasy truce. But in those two years, almost all the good work of farmer and of missionary had been undone. But the work begun at Wadia was being carried on at Parihaka by Māori's for Māori's. An uneasy peace descended on Taranaki. The government put out notices saying in Māori and in English, that all rebel lands between the White Cliffs and the Waitotara were confiscated. But few settlers dared to go far from the towns, and so even those Māoris who had been fighting crept back to their old homes in confiscated land. The one-eyed Titokowaru, fighting chief of Ngatirua Nui, returned to his old place on the Waimate Plains. But accused of stealing horses, he and his followers took up their guns again, after winning victories at Tengutua Temanu and Moturoa, he and his men were hunted from one end of Taranaki to the other. Finally, they came to take refuge at Parihaka. Thinking they would make a good entry, Titokowaru and his Tekaumarua, his twelve chosen warriors, came bounding down the hillside into Parihaka, firing their guns wildly into the air. This being the seventeenth day of the month, there was a great crowd there to hear Tefiti's preaching. Titokowaru had interrupted Tefiti's sermon. Pausing for a moment, then moving forward with outstretched hand, Tefiti said, Titokowaru the man is welcome. But when Titokowaru the man comes to Parihaka, Titokowaru the warrior must stay at home. So, Titokowaru, indicating his twelve armed men, called, Who is behind you? To which Tefiti answered, God, and then took up his preaching, saying, Guns and powder are no protection. He who lives by the gun dies by the gun. Titokowaru and his twelve went out and quietly buried their guns. This was the first of Tefiti's victories a victory over the most warlike of Māori fighters. Even Tohu, his disciple, another who had lost an eye in the fighting, learned to control his quick temper and great strength, put aside his gun forever, and took up the plough. It was with the plough that Tefiti won his second victory. The rich farmlands of the Waimate Plains were being cut up for settlement. Then... On the 26th of May, 1879, one of the settlers at Oakura to the north of Parihaka 
was astonished to see a party of Mardis ploughing up his land. When he dashed out and asked them, Who told you to do this? Each pointed to the white feather worn in his hair and said, This is our order. It was the same all over Taranaki. Paddocks sprouted ploughmen overnight, and their furrows cut through fences, hedges and roads, from the white cliffs to Waitotara. No sooner did a policeman come to take a ploughman away than another came to take his place. The word spread like wildfire. Tefiti is ploughing the land, and young men came from all over Taranaki and Waikato to give a hand with the work. The jails from New Plymouth to Wellington were full. Almost two hundred had been taken, yet they were like soldiers of the dragon seed. More seemed to spring from the earth every minute. When Tefiti was asked why he was doing it, he said simply, I am ploughing a furrow to the governor's heart. Soon the governor had to take notice. He sent a commission to try and divide the land fairly between Māori and settler. Yet even while the commission was sitting, a road was begun which would cut right through Tefiti's own Parihaka block. Tefiti had already said, There is only one road to Parihaka. That is the road of the Spirit. We need no other. When the road cut into Māori plantations, Tefiti sent out his fences. In the mornings they built fences across the road. In the afternoons the troops pulled the fences down. This kind of game could not go on forever. The fences were arrested. On some days three or four were arrested, and once as many as 59 were taken and sent to join the ploughmen in jail, mainly in the South Island. Yet none offered any violence, and more came to take their place until only the very old, the very young, and the women remained. That was Jim Moriarty reading an extract from a 1960 school journal story, Two Māori Prophets, written by Barry McCarth. E whaiake nei he whanaunga a parihaka, a nei te reo a Jackie Sturm me tōna whiti. Have you heard of parihaka between Maunga Taranaki and the sea? Where te whiti o rongamai and tohu kākahi preached passive resistance, not war? Have you heard of Parihaka, where Taranaki iwi gathered, seeking a way to keep their land? Non-violence was their choice, peace their aim, Rokura their badge, ploughs their only weapons. They pulled down fences, pulled out pegs, then ploughed whatever the settlers claimed was theirs. Have you heard of Parihaka's boys and girls waiting outside the gates when the mounted soldiers came to rape and murder, pillage and burn, to take Tefiti and Tohu away with all the ploughmen and ship them south to build a causeway around Dunedin's wintry harbour? Have you heard of Taranaki Iwi, denied a trial, chained like dogs in sealed caves and tunnels? Ngai Tahu smuggled food and blankets to the prisoners, comforted the sick in the dark. 
Kuangaro nga tangata, Kuangaro itapo, away to Mamai that followed after. If you haven't heard of Parihaka, be sure your grandchildren will, and their children after them. History will see to that. But for now, Hawaiata tene mo Parihaka, away, away, away. Parihaka Pa has enjoyed a recent resurgence, largely due to the efforts of the Hokainga, all focused on the manifestation and expression of Rangimarie. One way of expressing that Rangimarie is through an annual peace festival that has had its third outing a few weeks ago. While hot showers and flush toilets a positive camping experience makes, other aspects of the Parihaka festival demonstrates the monarchy that you can't help but sense has been ongoing since the 1860s. All right, now um, tell me about the mahi that you've been doing here this weekend. Oh, we've been working in the information centre and our job's been um, pretty much knowing everything, like every little answer to every little question, even like uh, where do you get water around here, like little things like that. Where's the FPOS machine? Yeah, oh, that's Where the main Where are the even yeah. though the Fadipaku are just like over right, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're situated right next to main stage and it's been fantastic and the foot traffic into the information centre has been awesome. And we have been selling our merchandise, which is our Parihaka brand. And um, yeah, it's yeah. been a very cool job. Yeah, and, and the best thing about it is actually um, interacting with the people that walk in. And, yeah, um, we love the people. About, um, who we are and, and what we're all about. You know, mainly they, they just come in and just have a look, but... Um, focus on our product we give it a go um, yeah we just have a lot of fun but we grew up here so they put us in information they wanted to see the Pariaka people in here I mean I don't I've been here since I was 11 so yep. born and bred here Yo, what's up this little Jesus H flow Representing out of Sydney, only here for a short time, so I only got a short rhyme. I sit it back like this. Somebody try to make up what a twist. What you had a joint wasn't a split. Probably a blunt, probably a uh, try to take a, but they don't want to front, so they gotta get the buns. And I'm looking for the food, cause I'm kinda cool and it's kinda hot, so I need to blow up a spot like rocking them down over the them around if I got the. Then slow it down. Oh, oh, you got to tell them why you're moving out like this. You wanna do it up, but now you're moving with the fist. You're pumping like them black power back up in a wish. You got to tell them now, but now I wish. I'll get some up again before you're throwing out the damn. Native in the ground, but now you're throwing out my man. It's alright for them, but now you're throwing out the jam. If you got to tell them it's a like right this, got them in H flow, JC, Furious and Jesus. Over, ah, 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 when I'm pleasing, you know you got to meet them over in the speakers. That's what you got to it, it, it. Yo, what, what was that thing they got down there? Yeah, we at the party hocker. Our minds will be down like, come on there. You got to be there for somebody to swatch it. Got your mind, throw it up. We want the time. Got to get the dope. We throwing up another dime. The wishing well is full. So the next wish you make by beat for the next fool. Bigger than them, throwing it off. Now I got bigger than friends, bigger than him, bigger than brothers with him. Trying to pretend, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, no way. We up in this class, it's real cats all day. Body hocker, baby. It's body hocker, baby. Don't you forget it. No, well, I'm doing, we sweat it on another one. I said it, the new level, the bar, read it. Get him off another somebody, you just don't regret it. It's a head to sign, put the door, bless the name. It's too early in the morning for me to be even just trying to rhyme. Fajat. 
God, you see, you're losing it, man. You're losing it. You're losing your mind and your focus. You might just whip down your hocus hocus focus. The magician word, used it all before. But now I bring it up as we recruit. Yeah, change the score. Never take your mind and your body. Cause I've been here for the rest of the party. But we gotta leave it for so many blessings to you all. Peace and respect. And I'm out. Oh! That was just one of the acts that featured during the festival. Sectioned into a number of artistic and creative spaces, the festival holds a number of fora, speakers, poetry, as well as stages, a dance tent, kid zone and stalls. Roi Matatorua is the name of an installation of 394 poi made out of woolen blankets, embroidered with images synonymous with parihaka. The artist responsible for the work is Nahina Hohaya, he mukupuna mai parihaka. I met with Nahina at the Govett Brewster Gallery in New Plymouth, where we discussed the inspiration and significance of the work, and how the words of her tūpuna echo through the ages and have as much relevance today as they did over a uh, hundred years ago. Ko taranaki te iwi, ko parihaka te marae, you know, there's layers of kaupapa within the work, but it's easy for people, I suppose, to identify the work with relating to um, to, to parihaka in terms of an overall um, narrative to the work. But within the story of, of parihaka or the, you know, um, the narratives of the parihaka story, there's lots of other kaupapa that are inter, you know, intertwined or that, that come out of that on a personal level and a, and a global level. I mean I feel really strongly about the poi being a symbol of my people in terms of the way that poi has traditionally been used within Parihaka and, and the wider Taranaki rohe in terms of poi karakia and poi manu. Historically and still remains a really powerful um, storyteller, the poi is the storyteller, you know, and therein the, the meaning of poi manu, the, the messenger, the storyteller, the vehicle, so um, I mean it just made total sense to to take that concept into a visual art uh, uh, you know, platform and carry it through as a storyteller, the poi is the, is the storyteller. You purposefully selected woolen blankets as a medium? Because I guess people could look at that ainahina and go, ah, land sales, you know, selling acres of whenua for blankets, you know, that kind of thing. That's right, some people make that um, make that connection straight away in terms of <clears throat> the historical relevance of the blanket to um, our history. Um, uh, and that's definitely part of the reason why I um, wanted to use that um, that medium for for creating the poi. Um, but again, there's um, uh, you know there, there are many reasons for the for why that was the right medium to use for this particular installation. Um, you must have had your mates going to hook hook all over oh, the country. <laughs> uh, I did. I, I, I had um, 
<coughs> yeah, I had some really good mates that were keeping their eye out for, for blankets all over the country, so, yeah, second-hand shops. But uh, I personally personally made sure I I cleaned out the, the local op shops in Palmerston North <laughs> of old woolen blankets. But in particular, mm-hmm. I was after the um, the old beige, creamy beige coloured coloured ones and um, it was quite hard to find them by the end of my um, <laughs> my, my work period but um, um, yeah you know so the but also that the, um, historically the bla- you know the blanket became a metaphor within within oratory you know f- um, a metaphor for the land and you know there's um, there are you know, you see it repeated within within oratory, where they talk about, well, for for example, you know, Tefisi and Tohu talked about sharing their blanket, um, which was obviously around the whole issue of the land and the loss of land, and therefore the loss of mana motuhake. Um, but the idea that you know there is a way to there is a way to coexist and there is a way to to share and it's definitely not about ripping one side of the blanket off the other um, yeah and they advocated quite strongly too that in sharing the blanket they believed that the mana motuhake of that blanket needed to remain with tangata whenua so um, so again the blanket <coughs> you know was a really for me was a really suitable medium to be working with, um, and it's also really, you know, it's really tactile and and, and so this it's inviting people. I, I think it is. It's you know it um, makes people want to come closer to the work. It makes people want to um, yeah, <laughs> um, and it's. Um, the, you know, being old woolen blankets, there's um, there's a sense of nostalgia. You know, for whatever reason, people people remember. Oh, my my granny had blankets like that. Or when we went to stay with my aunties, they had they had blankets like that. Or so. I mean, I like it that people can uh, make a connection on whatever level because it's a place to begin in terms of mm-hmm. um, um, creating. Um, an interaction between the the work and the and the viewer. So, yeah. Now, how long did it take you to do each poi? Because upon each poi, there's a, um, you've embroidered images. Yeah. Um. So, so <laughs> just to make the poi itself. They. Yeah, the the poi that the installation was created is part of my um, uh, my end. Of, uh, 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 yeah, the installation was created for my end of year um, exhibition for my uh, Bachelor of Māori Visual Arts at Master University. So um, prior to moving into my masters, um, my masters work. Um, and I worked on two installations at the same time, so I basically worked solid, solidly on on you know constructing the poi, 
um, for a good a good six months. Um, you know that included having to get out and collect the blankets and drive around to to op shops or um, yeah. But then you probably for. A, a good three months, I sat there in my in my fare and um, plated. plated and cut <coughs> up blankets and um, um, all those kinds of things. Um, the embroidery was um, it, it is, is machine embroidered, and some of it, it's just exquisite. Yeah, there's a real there is a real. Um, Three-dimensional aspect to the embroidery, well, you know, for me, it, it's just another another kaupapa of weaving. So, you know, I, I come from a, a raranga background, so it, for me, it's a natural progression to be working with these materials and to be um, incorporating, you know, embroidery and um, the whole kind of constructional idea. You know, that I'm constructing these these um, this poi is just another dimension of my my weaving um, kaupapa. Um, but yeah, the embroidery has, has got a real three-dimensional thing going on for me. You know, it um, you know it's catching the light and it's um, you know it's got a good sense of depth. But yeah, so the, the 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 embroidery is machine worked, and I used a. Um, I went to a company in Palmerston North, um, which I later found out was um, an old family business. They, they're a, an, an English family. They came out from England, and it was a family business, and they were in the business of embroidering the um, the regalia uniforms and regalia for the regiments in the in the militia, and. Um, in their foyer, one of the first things that I noticed when I went in was that they had an old piece of embroidery um, that was, you know, moth-eaten, and so they'd framed it to kind of preserve it. But um, it was for the Wellington City Guards, an old uh, crest for the Wellington City Guards that had come out to Parihaka, so it said, it read, uh, Wellington City Guards, Parihaka. Um, which was the crest for the, the, the that regiment that that um, that came out to Parihaka in 1881, uh, uh, which you know that that embroidery work had been done through this particular business. So for me, I was I was really comfortable with taking my work there and um, knowing that the kaupapa was maintaining <laughs> consistency. <laughs> and I, I didn't go into ex- explaining to them what. Um, you know what I was doing or what my work was about. It was enough for me to know that, um, um, there, yeah, that there was a, a connection there in terms of maintaining the kaupapa of my work. Yeah. Is there a symbolism in the number of poi that you've used? Um, oh, yeah, few people ask that because I mean, there's, you, you. you you walk up to the installation and there's a, a whole wall covered in poi, but no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, the idea was about, 
you know, it was about repetition and that the, the power of repetition, so, or the impact of repetition, so the visual impact that that creates and the vision and how that intensifies the visual statement, so, um, um, you know, so things start to kind of happen, things start, things are implied, so, you, because you, there are rows and rows upon rows of poi, you know, there, there's the idea of people and there's the idea of multitudes and there's the idea of um, formations and um, so, I mean, that was the reason in, uh, in um, um, Going for a, you know going for a large number of boys. <laughs> now this is the this is the third time that I've seen the installation, and it's been installed differently on every occasion. Is that the is that um is that liberating for you being able to and every time you install it you can put it up whatever way that you want. Yeah, that that's that's right. That's definitely part of the the nature of. Um, this, you know, this poi installation is that um, there's a certain kind of flexibility in um, reconfiguring it, um, depending on where it's going, and um, yeah, and because the the symbols that are embroidered on the poi are are all different. There's, I think, there's there's over 60 different symbols um, that are repeated through the work. You know, you can um, really kind of play around with what's there in terms of where you place things and, and how they're placed and the relationship between placing one symbol alongside of another. We're now standing at the, at the exhibition and we're standing in front of a statement that was made by Tohu Kahi in 1895 and you've incorporated that statement into the exhibition. Mm. The reason why I wanted to work with this corridor of his within, you know, within my installation was because it uh, just continues to have huge relevance and significance to um, the world around us today. Even though it was made in, you know, 1895, uh, it, it could have been made you know, today, and um, it would be completely fitting and, and timely. So, you know, the cope of that is, is coming out of out of um, this corridor of his is, is all about ideas of resistance. This stuff is this is inspirational and so relevant. You know, <laughs> today, always. And you've used, um, you've taken the statement and you've embroidered these words upon poi. Yeah, so I, um, I just paraphrased it so that, you know, a paragraph could it could be um, placed on on each poi to to break the, the speech down into smaller parts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, wanted, on this I wanted to use the corridor My because war, it is hugely inspiring. Well, I, I believe it is. You know, it's, it's, the um, of it's inspiring, the land it's, uh, and upon the it's strong, it's, I give over my it's, it's got my voice. 
it's got a motion, but it's, it's really clear to about what, who it's talking to and and what it's advocating and what, um, By the great powers of this what it identifies their mouths will never be shut. Um, By the great when it talks about never being suppressed country, by the great powers by the great powers and forces of this country nor by the great powers and forces of the, of the entire world so um, I think that that they as leaders and our, our, and our leaders of that time were very clear about what they were up against and what it um, yeah what that struggle meant both on a um, a local level and an international um, level that that the you know the colonial powers that they were faced with was um, was a worldwide thing happening yeah they they understood that clearly now um, as we just turn and we see the wall that has um, the 394 poi placed upon them and there are these symbols symbols that as a visitor to Taranaki I um, I associate with, with Taranaki or with Parihaka um, there's a plough and the the feathers the maunga and there are even some symbols here that I associate with um, Tikuti Mm. And then there's one further along here, and it shows the um, there's men. Oh, well, there's a figure on horseback with um, the constabulary, yeah, soldiers. A big part of the the process that I use to to formulate which um, symbols I wanted to use within this installation was by going back to um, our wayata. Uh, awaiata tangi, awaiata tafito that pertain to um, uh, to our poi, uh, to the poi manu, our, our you know ceremonial use of the poi, and looking, you know, looking and listening and thinking about the symbolisms and the um, the ideas coming through in those um, in those waiata because the there's just such a rich and um, you know um, base of symbolism in those in those waiata. I didn't have to work hard to to um, you know to see what they were mm. and to identify what they were. I mean, um, you know, for example, I've used a th- I've used the symbol of a throne. Is one of the symbols, um, you know. And while that can be interpreted in lots of different ways, um, this in one of our um, poi manu, the um, the you know the throne is referred to. Um, and um, in that context, it's about you know. The, the the people's struggle the tinai mea te whawhai mo te te whenua me te te maungarongo ki runga i te te whenua ki runga i te tangata being a a um, a righteous cause so you know it's about that, that throne on high that it's um, 
it's yeah it's a righteous cause yeah and there are dates of the, on some of them 1860 1895 what are the relevance of those dates um 1860 pertaining to um, history here in Taranaki and in terms of the um, the beginnings of war here in in Taranaki the beginnings of the the land wars here in Taranaki um, yeah 1881 the Tipahua Tangaki Parihaka the um, the invasion at, 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 at Parihaka uh, 1895. Um, I I use that date to put the the speech that I've used into context. So the speech here was made in 1895. Um, yeah, and it um, yeah, you know, it's just the points to keep. Um, you know, placing the work into a context mm. and into a um, a time frame. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you, I mean, you referred to um, how a lot of these symbols can tie back over into you know into um, other movements and other you know our other leaders and. Um, yeah, so, you know, so a lot of these symbols, you know. Does it surprise you, Nahina, when um, you do your work with a certain frame of mind, and then other people come and say, "Oh, da 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 da," does it surprise you, or is it always? Um, I think that's that's a rewarding part of of this for me. I don't. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to lay out a black and white, you know, interpretation or meaning for, you know, for the work or for the symbols. Um, I think there's enough here to let the work speak for itself and, and to let people um, decide for them, decide for themselves too what, you know, what um, the symbols might be, you know, relaying. So. Yeah, I've had people make a completely different interpretation of of the symbols. You know, for some for some people, it's been a personal thing. Um, you know, there's uh, I've used of, uh, lots of different manu as symbols, and so people, you know, some people have had a personal, rela- you know, feeling about a particular bird. Um, and that's fine whether it's a, you know, if it's a personal um, interpretation or a, a general universal interpretation. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that, that the symbols need too much kind of... Uh, Analysis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Have you enjoyed Parihaka? Yeah. Yeah? What do you like the best? Hmm. Music. What about you, Ehine? Um, all of it. Yeah? Yeah. What's the kids' zone like? Um, it was pretty cool. What about you, baby? Um, I like it. Yeah? 
And, and do you know what this place is about? Yeah. Yeah, what? Um, do you know what this place is called? What? Pohaka. Oh, car pie. Where you come from, mate? Oh, Wellington. And what's this? What's this we're doing? Parihaka. No, no, <laughs> right now. <laughs> waiting for a shower <laughs> and a queue. And how have you found the shower since you've been here? It's been amazing, good actually. Oh, yeah. Good water pressure. <laughs> amazing. I guess I say amazing for um, being away from home. Mm. It's, it's flash. Makes it less of a hardship, eh? Yeah. Did you grow up in New Zealand? Yep. So did you know about Parihaka when you were growing up and the history no. of the peoples here? No, I didn't learn that until I went to. Uh, did some art history at design yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite not until I was maybe twenty or something. Yeah. Yeah. And what are your views around that? Oh, I'm very inspired by it. I was amazed by learning about it and mm. learning that they influenced um, Gandhi. Gandhi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, freaky eh, that yeah. we all know about Gandhi, but you know, growing up in Aotearoa, not many people knew about Tefiti Otohu. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's incredible. That fella was a samba drummer from Wellington Barukata. He performed at Parihaka and has done from the outset. He took some more about that on the web page. Te Neho Pā, a pā at Parihaka, was fundraising through a kai store and gotta tell you the parawa parai and that berry crumble was to die for. I also caught up with a number of mukupuna, descendants of the Parihaka people, including the discovery of a love story spurred by some kiri or body art. What is it like for you fellas having people on your whenua like this? It's, it's quite amazing because our people go to, uh, to other places but bringing everyone from all over the world is just... Oh, it's just overwhelming, and it's like that next step from like from the first one, and even from ten years ago. Like we never had anything like this, or thought of anything like this, and now it's come to be, and it's been three years now, and I'm gunning for another five. When I first came here last year, I never realised that Parihaka was made up of these little puke. I think they're called lahars. <laughs> That's a fancy word for them. Yep, it's because it's volcanic area. So tell me about yourself, um, Martini, and you're wearing a t-shirt there that says Parihaka Parkin. Um, well, I'm living in Hamilton at the moment. I just come home to have a bit of a holiday, kick back. Yeah, so it's been pretty choice coming back and to the park. And some mahi? Yeah, 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 yeah. Making some muscle chowder and fry bread. Oh, um, you're over in that store. Yeah, yeah. Still the, the store for Te Nihu. Yeah. Te Nihu Ai. So you've got a limited edition Parihaka Parkids t-shirt. Well, yeah, self-made. You only made one. Only one. <laughs> only one out. Sorry, peeps. <laughs> yeah, sorry, cousins. <laughs> so really you should say Parihaka Parkid. There shall be, there will be some more coming out soon. <laughs> so a limited edition of what? Yeah, yeah. About 150? Yeah. Must have been 150 of you kids. Just to see if anyone likes it. Can walk around now, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That'll be 25 bucks. <laughs> that was quite amazing the responses I got there. So what was it like for you growing up here in Parihaka? Um, very homely. Yeah. We used to come over here and just play and run up and down the hills. Um, kick around in the marshes over there in the, in the bamboo. Yeah. But yeah, it was choice growing up here. Um, Martin is from Sally Cardenas Fano. All prominent families in Parihaka. That's Alice Heekaka. He's a. Um, come this way. He's another Fano member from Parihaka. Oh, Kira. Koi toing what? Uh, you got some beautiful work there. Um. 
Phyllis yeah, was no, checking out that one over there. Oh, yeah, no idea, I was having a read of it when you walked past me. Oh, no, oh, no. that's a bit of a love psalm for my wife. Oh, hey. He's a walking canvas for. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. A walking, talking canvas. Yes, a walking, talking we canvas. Get him and put him on the wall. <laughs> So what does it say on there? Um, it's a love sonnet to me, yeah. and it says, "Really deep is my joy for brief moments with dawn's sun lighting her face cannot sate me or beat the kisses of the long denied passion I feel for the glorious woman I realise I love, valiantly swearing loyalty to the monarch of my heart, dreamy queen of my soul, Jean." Yeah, that, that brings a little bit of a tear to my eye. So what, Jean, did you help him write that? <laughs> okay, well, I think I'm up for more funny stories about these, these Pariaka Parkers. I wasn't even going out with him when he put that on there. <laughs> oh, my God, is it even you? <laughs> I think he just added Jean on after. <laughs> That kōrero featured Puna Farehoka, Jean Hikaka, Dallas Hikaka, and Martine Karina. <laughs> so, what have you been thinking about the festival? What have I been thinking about? I've been thinking this is just one of the most, well, the greatest event I've been to. Been to many um, festivals around the world, and I, I have to say oh, I, haven't, I haven't been, even. haven't been to anything that tops this. Oh, so, okay. Haka rock on! Yeah. yeah. Kilda. And what about you? The same? Uh, yeah, no, this is this is beautiful. I haven't sort of attended worldly festivals, but <laughs> I think on a grander scale, this would be right up there. Rawe, rawe tēnei. You'll get your chance. So, so what do the um, the pink stickers mean? It uh, means I'm a performer. Yeah, performers, performers pass. Yeah. So what, what did you fellas, have you fellas performed? Yeah, um, me and my band performed last on Friday night. We're called Hope Road. We're from Wellington. No, not Tauranga Moana. It's a pretty good time, eh? Mine. Good time. Good time. All round. Good time. Heaps of people. I mean, you look around, you see rustlers, hippies, just all sorts of different mixes, and no one really cares. We're all just here as human beings, eh? And yeah. enjoying the music, enjoying the vibe, positive vibes, and it's just, just beautiful to see, I guess. Massive. Peaceful vibe. Very peaceful. Peaceful. Thank no you, trouble. Yes. Yeah, you can go and sit with anyone and ask them how their day is, and then they'll offer you a drink and a feed, and as if you've known them for years. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Whakarongo ake e ngaiwi e takoto i tamarai nei Taku pakanga e pakanga nei au i roto e ngā taumaa E pakanga nau mo te rangi mārie Mo te maungārongo ki runga ki te oenua Ki runga ki te tangata Ka oa tue au toku kaa me toku reo Ei reo aka aere mau ki tēnei aka tupuranga Ei tāngata wakārara koe mo ngaiwi e rua E kore tōreo e taia te pēi, e ngā maunga nunui o tēne akatupuranga, e kore tōmāngai e taia te kōpani. E ngā maunga nunui e ngā pukepuke o te motunei, putanoe ngā maunga nunui i ngā pukepuke o te ao. Ka aipapa i tōreo, kau aka aere tikanga koe mo te kino kia mate i te pai. Listen, people gathered on this marae. My war which I fought through the many years is one I fight for peace, for the foundation of peace upon the land and upon the people. I give over my resilience and my voice as a voice of leadership for you to this generation, that you may cause to be an inspiration to the two peoples. Your voices will never be suppressed. By the great powers of this generation, your mouths will never be shut. By the great powers and forces of this country, 
nor by the great powers and forces of the entire world will your voices be extinguished. You provide the means to overcome evil with good. Tōuka Kai, June 1895. Okay, spot quiz. What's the difference between an America's Cup campaign and an Indigenous movement? Stay tuned. The answer to that question is coming right up. In 2007, Te Atatino Toa unsuccessfully petitioned Transit New Zealand to apply the Tino Rangatiratanga flag on Auckland Harbour Bridge, despite precedent set through the flying of the loyal flag during various America's Cup campaigns. This year, it's five days of Tino. He ha te kaupapa, e te iwi, whakarongo mai. He a, kia ora, ko te ana tui ono tōku ingo, no ngai sakato me Ngāpahi, tahataku pāpā, no te pā ino o te kuki aerani, no reira, kia ora, kia ora ana. Our rōpū te ata tino tōa has approached, uh, you know, the different organisations to, to fly the Tino Rangatiratanga flag. Um, we've called it Five Days of Tino, just you know, building up the building up towards Waitangi Day, because for us Tino Rangatiratanga isn't just about just on Waitangi Day, but it should be all all year. But you know, of course, Waitangi Day is a very significant day, so we put the put the panui out there, sent letters to you know city councils and uh, different uh, different organisations to see if they would fly uh, the Tino Rangatiratanga flag to acknowledge Tangata Whenua on those days. And what has been the response of some of those organisations, Te Oh uh, Well, Auckland University said, yep, they'll fly it, and so down at the Marae, and uh, Wai Papa, they're going to fly the flag. Banakau uh, City Council have, uh, are kind of thinking about it. Um, they've got a significant Māori and Polynesian population there, so hopefully they'll be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll affirm it. Um, we got a negative from, uh, from Whanganui City Council, and uh, still getting replies from other city councils. Uh, we, asked, we also asked the Manukau City Council to, to approach the Auckland Airport to fly the flag there because they had a big flagpole. Um, but they said that unfortunately it's a, it's a commercial institution, so they wouldn't be allowed, or they wouldn't be able to. Uh, we approached the warehouse as well, but the warehouse said um, they're not a political organisation, uh, so uh, they're apolitical apparently. So. They have declined to fly the flag as well, but for us, the opportunity is out there for people to to celebrate uh, Tangata Whenua. Uh, there's a precedent in Australia: the uh, Aboriginal flag flies on government buildings on official occasions and uh, flies on 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 uh, various other council buildings, and it has flown in the past on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Mm. So um, this is not a new thing. Um, so. What we're hoping is that New Zealand gets into into step with what's happening internationally with uh, with uh, Indigenous rights. Now, last year, Yoropu sought to have the Māori flag flown from the Auckland Harbour Bridge, and you got a resounding no for that. Neither. We yeah, we put an application in to fly the flag on the harbour on the harbour bridge. Uh, for us, it seemed to be you know a good opportunity. Uh, to fly uh, the, the Māori flag on a significant landmark within Auckland City, especially considering the large Māori and Polynesian population within that city. 
the then flag policy of transit was that they would fly, uh, they only fly um, uh, country flags, you know, national flags. So we, you know, responded to them by saying, "Well, you're flying the loyal flag, the New Zealand Team New Zealand flag, you know, the, the flag for the boats, mm. and that's not a national flag. You've also flown the European Union flag uh, as well, which is also doesn't represent a, a national country. So they can be flexible in the way that they choose which flags fly on top of that bridge." Um, subsequently, they put this in too hard basket, and they changed their flag policy. Now, only the New Zealand flag is allowed to fly on the bridge. So we responded to that with a letter at the end of the year saying, "Well, you know, if your policy process is as flexible as it seems to be, they seem to be able to change it at one. Then, how about considering changing it and making an exception for the Maori flag? You know, and especially." Uh, you know, with the precedent, with what's happened with the Aboriginal flag, but also, you know, falling in line with what's happening internationally with Indigenous rights. Last year, the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples was passed overwhelmingly at the United Nations, supported by 143 countries. There are only three, uh, only four countries that, that didn't support that declaration. New Zealand, shamefully, was one of them. So, uh, f- uh, from our perspective, New Zealand needs to get up to the play with what's happening with human rights as it, as, uh, as it um, and, and in terms of what it means for indigenous issues. Uh, New Zealand is becoming uh, internationally known as a, as a backwards country in, in terms of the way that it deals with human rights as it applies to indigenous peoples. And, um, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for us to turn the tables around. Five days of tino. What are some of the other things that are going to be going on? Uh, well, we've, um, you know, like we've asked, uh, you know, all these different different organisations and asked people as well to um, to approach their kura, kura, to approach their churches, to approach their um, councils, to you know, adopt local flagpoles to see if they can get the flag flying on those flagpoles. Last year we had a flag competition uh, to see uh, uh, who could fly the the, the Māori flag in the most creative way possible. <laughs> um, was was really successful. Um, the guy that won it flew it down in the Antarctica on the <laughs> boat. Um, you know, he had his flag, he had some icebergs in the back. You know, couldn't it was <laughs> couldn't actually beat that. So he won he won some prizes. Um, there are some other uh, good good examples. Uh, uh, the Union Unite they flew it flew it on top of their building in, in Queen Street and uh, different uh, people sent in photos. So it was, you know, really, really uh, warmly received. And what we found last year was there was a significant support from the non-Maori population for this, uh, for this, uh, for this kaupapa. And to me, um, just thinking back, you know, just ten years ago, you would have got a different, you would have got, yes. you know, quite a different response. So what it says to me is that, uh, you know, there's a fair, uh, fair percentage of. Uh, people living in with an Aotearoa whose thinking has moved. Unfortunately, our politicians and some of our local politicians' thinking hasn't moved. They're behind the time and they need to catch up. Tiano, what do you reckon is contributing to that um, that movement? I think it's um I think a lot more a lot more people are you know, are get are trying to get informed about the issues. 
and that's one of that's one of the the big problems that we have in this country uh, in terms of you know in terms of how we approach indigenous issues you know you know in particular discussing you know treaty of Waitangi issues you'll get you'll get a you know a huge percentage of this population who will debate the issues but with no information you know they'll uh, or information gleaned from or, the media or information gleaned from the media or you know complete misinformation so if for example if you or me or you or someone else or me and you know the person across the road there are going to discuss uh, you know the pros and cons of calculus for example or the pros and cons of chemistry well then we both need to know some pretty fundamental basics about chemistry or calculus or whatever the subject matter is. As it applies, that doesn't seem to apply to, to, to indigenous rights issues here in this country. The misinformed constantly step up to debate the issues and do an appalling job. So although there is this growing, there's this growing uh, uh, po- uh, percentage of people who are getting themselves informed, overwhelmingly there is still that hardcore uh, group within uh, New Zealand society who is uh, ignorant, who is uninformed, and is uh, unfortunately way too fast to shoot from the mouth without actually having and acting on any uh, analysis or knowledge. The things that hold this country up, um, I mean, one of the things I think people continually uh, uh, continually are, are scared about in terms of like, and all this other sort of stuff. There's this perception that, that they were going to lose something, that something is going to be lost, that Māori are somehow going to take something from them. And now for me, um, my my response to those general you know comments and corridors is, you know, what are you going to lose? You know, what exactly are you talking about? Because for those of us who remember the fourth Labour government, and during the 1980s, when they went through this whole privatisation agenda, they were selling this place, lock, stock and barrel. Um, you know, tele, you know, the teletower communications system used to be owned by the people that lived here, now it's been blocked off to, them, to, to the Americans, along with our railways and other sort of, uh, other sort of uh, infrastructure needs. I live in Palmerston North, and just, uh, you know, end of last year, they um, outsourced outsourced the, the yellow pages to the Philippines, you know, the call centre to, to the Philippines. So when people talk to me, uh, they talk from uh, talk to me about, you know, mainstream New Zealand losing something, you know, you know the boat's already left the, left the harbour. It's already gone, you know. There's, you know, half, most of this country is actually owned by foreign interests. So for me, that type of rationale in this day and age, in 2008, it just doesn't wash. It's irrelevant. Um, and um, I think... In light of you know, in light of globalisation, neoliberal globalisation to be more specific, people need to um, get up to speed with the with the uh, with the opportunities and the realities of uh, of uh, indigenous self determination. There are so many examples out there of uh, of indigenous self determination working. Why not here in Aotearoa? Uh, for example, in the United States of America, they've got their American Indian uh, reservation system. Uh, the United States hasn't fallen over because they've given uh, the, you know, the Native Americans a little bit of little bit of tino tanga. In fact, the United States are at the top of the food chain when it comes to when it, in, in the world's issues. And there are a myriad of different ways of 
how Tinoranga Teretanga can be exercised. In keeping with the flag theme, Kahununu Iwi held a flag workshop from the 28th to the 30th of January at Waipatsu Marae in Hastings. The 80 or so flags made will be flying at Clive, one of the sites where Kahununu signed the Treaty of Waitangi, on Waitangi Day. Facilitated by Mahia Tumwana, he'll be talking about that next week. Today I was at Te Rao Te Raukura, he mihiatu ki te whānau a te FM. Join Te Ahikai again next week when I bring you highlights from the event. Tānero will be up at Waitangi, so don't run away when you see him approaching, or me. I'll see you all at Waitangi Park in Wellington. And I had a wicked time in Te Taihauauru over the summer period. We'll bring you highlights from that time, my parihaka ki rātana over the next few weeks. And get those flags out, eh whānau? Enjoy Waitangi Day. Kina kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, he tino mihi. Kina hoa, ke te reo irirangi o Aotearoa, ko Anne Pates, he mihi. Me koe hoki ko Prue Langbine. Kia koe Mark Hector, kia ora rā. Ki te kai rā, wiki wiki mihini ko Kevin Golding, kia ora. Hoi anō ki te whānau a Barry Metcalf, kia ora. Ki nga whānau a Parihaka, kia ora rā. Kia kōrua, ko Peki Kore, Rāua ko te meringa hōhaia, he mihi aroha kia kōrua. Hei a tērā wiki, mauri ora kia tātou katoa.